Hello everyone, this is Myra with Holly Pulley's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga Podcast. It's late summer in New Zealand, and although the rivers are running shallow, I could still take a short hike to the river's edge, walk out on some really lovely rocks, and choose between the shade or the sun, and then slowly lower my body into the water. The gentle, cool water, the sounds of the birds, the water's movement, the cicadas, was all I could hear. I climbed back up onto the warm rocks to dry off a bit in the sun. It was a wonderful experience of the gunas of hot and cold and wet and dry. The warm, dry sun complemented and contrasted by the cool water of the river. These kinds of moments really highlight for me what's fun and joyful about the human experience. We get to enjoy all of the contrast. The water isn't as satisfying without the dryness to compare it to, right? Today we're going to talk about the goodness of wet, snigda, and dry, ruksha. Snigda also means oily. First, let's consider wet and dry. Well, my early afternoon activity at the river highlights this continuum really nicely. Sitting out of the water in the sunshine, my body started to sweat, working to bring balance by releasing some toxins and cooling things down by creating that moisture on my skin in the dry sun. Slipping into the river to enjoy the cool water, I was reminded of how amazing clean water is for shifting your energy. In the height of summer, here it's dry. So time spent in rivers and in the ocean is really delicious. And as autumn comes, it'll rain more, and the still warm sun will create some steam and humidity. Wet and dry always are at play in nature. One of the most beautiful things I've seen in life is the dew on the grass and the plants in the morning. And then the sun dries it up. If the wind comes up, it will dry it out even more. The wind is a big factor in wet and dry in our environment. Now think about this in terms of doshas. Ah, our friend vata, the air and the ethers. It's at work here. When the doshas are imbalanced, we experience more of some gunas than others, because like attracts like. So with excess vata, we don't experience so much of the wet guna or snigna. Dryness will be present in the sinuses and the eyes and the ears and our mouth. Constipation may come about. With excess kapha, Wet will be more prevalent, um, moist skin, mucus in the sinuses and in the lungs, plenty of saliva. The hair might get oily, or you might have runny wax out of the ears, or the eyes might run, or you might have very long menstruation. In looking at what in our modern environment affects wet and dry, think about artificial heat and air conditioning and its effect on the body. Dry, dry, dry. Or restaurant food that's served dry to look pretty. Then there's the pollution in the air, which is mostly acidic, 
and will increase the dryness in our bodies. Our sinuses are a good indicator of the moisture in the environment. The sinuses react to the humidity around us, but even more so to the amount of wet and dry inside the body. So how to keep a good balance of moisture in the body? The food that we eat is the biggest factor. Food must retain moisture through the cooking process, and the liquid from the cooking should be served with the meal. Consistently eating food with enough moisture keeps us hydrated with the largest amount of nutrients. It also helps to calm vata and alleviate constipation. So when you're cooking, use some oil and water in all of your dishes. And the amount of water will depend on what it is. When cooking vegetables, for example, begin by heating the oil and simmering the spices until the aroma is present uh, to wake them up. And then add your veggies and stir so that you get the oil and the spices on them. And then add a little water and then cover to cook it gently. So now it has hydration and lubrication and it counters the dryness. So you might call it a combination of a saute and a steam and it allows the qualities of all of the components to come together. There are some people, when kapha is predominant, who might do well with less water and maybe a little less oil too, as long as vata and pitta are well balanced. Baking with a little water covering the bottom of the pan is a great choice for that person. Eating food with enough oil and water will also support graceful aging, which I see as feeling good now and throughout life, which leads to feeling well in the later years. So aging gracefully isn't just something you think about later in life when it's already late in the process. Treating yourself well now means things are more enjoyable later on. If we don't pay attention to the goodness of wet and dry, and we allow internal dryness, which comes to excess vata, if we allow that to persist over time, then we see the effects of dryness in the mind with diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's and the like. Excess pitta can also be a contributor to these problems. So hydration is important. Most of us try to fix dehydration by drinking too much water, which doesn't work. It actually can have an imbalancing effect on the doshas. The right amount of water depends on your constitution, your environment, and your activity level, but it's a small range. Most people can do pretty well with a small amount, a half a cup or so, throughout the day. So if you had about a half a cup every hour, think about that. It will not tax the kidneys so much. Try it and see. The guna of snigda, or wet, also encompasses oily. So how does the oily quality occur in our lives? Well, we're countering ruksha, the dry quality, with unctuousness, or the oil. It's a big factor in our skin, earwax, our scalp and hair, and our food to provide the lubrication in the body. As I just mentioned, the food we eat 
has to have some oil or we dry up inside. Vata dosha goes up and then that's not a pretty sight. I experienced this firsthand in my life. During the 1970s, there was a big no oil fad in the diet. I hadn't really liked oil growing up as I grew up in the south of the United States and they used mostly lard uh, from animals and it was very heavy and, and uh, kind of sticky. I'd never eaten butter, I just didn't like it. So it seemed like a good idea to me to have no oil and it was easy to implement. So I went ahead and I just steamed my food and I ate it with no oil. And 20 years later, I was in India complaining about feeling stiff and creaky. And my friend suggested that I take the ghee that was being offered on my food. And back then they offered it to each person at a meal, you know, even in, in a restaurant. And finally, after some convincing from my friends, I did it. And in a week I felt so much better. And everything changed after that. My body became much more flexible, my digestion improved, and my mind calmed. It resulted in a personality shift. And I felt younger and more mobile in my body. It's interesting to see how the internal condition of these qualities impacts our minds and therefore our outward expression. With the use of ghee, it was as if there was a pliability in my mind that came about. There was a sharpness that was reduced. My speech and my attitude even changed over time from a dry sarcasm to a more loving and caring attitude. And the change was actually so profound that I was inspired to study Ayurveda in a deep way. And here we are. Now, an interesting thing about oil is that it can have a drying effect when herbs of that quality are decocted into it. Neem oil would be a good example, which is something we sometimes use for Ayurvedic treatment. And it can also be used as a sunscreen. Oily versus dry really comes into play when we travel. Maintaining oiliness and moisture in the body when traveling is a real bonus for how you feel on the trip. Uh, and if you travel a lot, paying attention to your oil will positively contribute to that graceful aging I mentioned. Just like taking care of the engine in a vehicle. Most modes of travel these days are very dry. Think about airplane cabins. A drop of sesame oil in each ear, a little ghee, sesame or coconut oil in the nose, depending on your constitution and your state of imbalance, and uh, the weather would also be a, an, an indicator there too. A drop of ghee or rose water in the eyes, some oil on the skin, and then you won't feel like a raisin when you arrive at your destination. Definitely before and after travel, but ideally on a daily basis, I recommend the practice of abhyanga, oiling the body. You can also just apply oil to your feet at night before bed. It helps with sleep and helps to calm vata dosha, and it contributes to lubrication of the skin and the body as well. The more we begin to see these gunas in all of life, the easier it is to apply Ayurveda to our own personal situation and really become our own healer. 
understanding and observing the Gravadigunas is the practice of increasing our consciousness, which makes life much richer and more fun. It helps us to really start to recognize how we are part of nature. We're meant to feel well and be empowered to care about ourselves and others. Here's a few updates from us at Halipule. I'll be in Australia this month making stops in Melbourne, Sydney, Adelaide, and Byron Bay. I'm offering a series of Ayurveda and yoga workshops for diverse areas of life, including preparing for motherhood, healing from addictions and digestive issues, and integrating the principles of Ayurveda into yoga practice and teaching. So if you're in Australia, I do hope to see you there. You can sign up for workshops on our website, halepule.com, H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E.com. In other news, we're about to release our new app called Live Ayurveda and Yoga. It's packed with great stuff like instructional Ayurveda and yoga videos, podcasts, guided meditations, exclusive recipes and guides, and audiobooks. It's a guide in your pocket that'll support you to easily integrate Ayurveda and yoga into your daily life and experience the state of vitality and well-being that is your true nature. Stay tuned to our social media for details on the upcoming release. We're on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram at H-A-L-E underscore P-U-L-E. Until next time. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join simple Ayurvedic cooking with Halepule. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.